with pretty much only one policy, Andrew Yang is right behind Elizabeth Warren to win the nominee. Joe Biden is pretty much a shadow front runner right now with support dropping every week for him. And with Bernie Sanders heart problems starting to take effect, it looks like he is no longer a favorite to win the candidacy. Please, please, please get better, Bernie. We all are rooting for you right now. But the main question is, can Andrew Yang overtake Elizabeth Warren as the front runner for the DNC nomination? Well, we know how powerful of a policy, giving away $1,000 per month to every American citizen over the age of 18 would be and has been for Andrew Yang's campaign. However, the true beauty of Andrew Yang is that he is right full of more policies that are absolutely guaranteed to give him a great chance of literally beating Elizabeth Warren. So in this video, I want to talk about some of the flight crew that's you guys' favorite Andrew Yang policies and some of my favorite Andrew Yang policies as well. By the way, hi, my name is Fly Stewie. This is the Uneducated Investor Podcast. Feel free to drop a like and subscribe because of course this is how this channel really grows. We talk about investing, politics, business, and we're all just trying to get better at this economic world together. So make sure to like, subscribe, and let's just jump into it, Flight Crew. So while Andrew Yang's most famous policy is the Freedom Dividend, where he's giving $1,000 away every month to every American over the age of 18, his other policies are really just as good. And as the American people really start to hear about these policies, I think 100% he's going to just catch on fire when they hear about this. One of my favorites is written by New Era Boss here in this comment. And that, of course, has to be democracy dollars. Now, what democracy dollars will do is it will give every voter $100 that they can only use when contributing towards a political campaign. And this way, politicians will have to actually value each voter to give them money instead of going to the corporations. Now, this is super important because to actually be able to go nationally and travel around state to state to really compete and let people know what your campaign policies are, this cost of going around is really, really, really expensive. It takes a lot of money to get you, your staff, your publicists, everyone helping you with your campaign around from state to state to state. And of course, people marketing at your home base, it costs a lot for that too. Staff costs are very absorbent if you're trying to really make a stake and do some damage in a political campaign. So of course, traditionally, corporations and lobbyists and interest groups are very essential when it comes to a presidential candidate actually having a chance to win. However, some very obvious conflicts of interest really start to pop their head out. You know, the reason why banks and Big Pharma and, you know, the NRA are all pouring millions and millions of dollars into political campaigns on both sides is because this literally guarantees that the politicians will not have laws that affect their bottom line. It literally is the oldest thing in the game. They're trying to make a return on investment. By them giving a million dollars to a political campaign, it ensures that they can make at least $10 million on their back end because that law that was gonna make sure that they can't sell guns at certain places, well, guess what? It's not gonna get passed. That law that maybe prevents bankers from gambling with their savings accounts? Well, guess what? Because they're taking so much money from bankers, that law probably won't get passed. 
Now, of course, those are just hypothetical examples, but you can see the point on how when you're accepting millions of dollars from people, it is in your best interest not to go against them with your campaigning. So as a politician, you start representing the ideas of corporations and you stop representing the ideas of your voters. $100 for every American citizen will be an absolute game changer when it comes to solving getting money out of politics and back in the hands of everyday people. Two comes from a comment from Liam Godfrey. He's talking about human-centered capitalism and what Andrew Yang policy really captures what this is all about has to be his American scorecard. Now, I cannot emphasize how much I love this idea. This is like a fundamental idea that literally is like is one of the most important concepts that any politician has brought to the debate stage. And it's all around changing incentives. See, what the American scorecard really does is it changes America's scorecard from just trying to grow GDP every year to human-centered capitalism. What are the things that will make the average American the happiest? That's what really it comes down to. And to really understand why this is so important, the best place to really look at this is just the CEOs of American businesses. You see, in recent decades, it has been companies absolute imperative to really increase the amount that CEOs incentives align with their shareholders and the employees of their companies. So that's primarily the reason why CEOs are paid mostly in stocks and stock options. Stock options basically mean the CEOs paid equity in the company and for them to receive that equity back in the future, maybe three or seven years down the line, the company will have to grow their share price to a certain amount. Now, this makes sure that the CEO doesn't do any weird things where they come in for two years and they're trying to maximize their own dollars instead of maximize the company's dollars. That way, the CEO is always looking out at the long term incentive of the company's share price. And if you're the small shareholder that owns maybe like 10 shares, you are so thankful that the CEO is doing this and they're not trying to tank the share price just so they'll be rich in two years and then retire out of the company. Now, coming back to the American scorecard example, the problem with GDP is when GDP rises, the only people who truly benefit from it are the top one to 10% of the American economy. The GDP is at record highs, but the labor market, the wages that people who just go clock in, clock out every day, haven't really been seeing the same amount of growth as people who maybe just own shares. If you're a shareholder or an executive of a big company, you are making bank when the GDP rises. However, the average day American, they're not seeing any of these profits. Now, straight from Andrew Yang's website, the American scorecard will include such measures as, but not limited to, the quality of life and health adjusted life expectancy, happiness and well-being and mental health, environmental quality, affordability, childhood success rates, underemployment, income inequality, consumer and student debt, work and civic engagement levels, volunteerism, infant mortality, quality of infrastructure, access to education, marriage and divorce rates, substance abuse and related deaths, national optimism, 
and personal dynamism and economic mobility. In general, overall happiness will go up. Right now in this GDP measure world, we have GDP at record highs, but suicide rates are going up. Life expectancy is starting to go down. Infrastructure is deteriorating. There's all these negative factors in the economy that a GDP just doesn't address. And an American scorecard, trust me, is a game changer of a policy that will literally put America back on that powerhouse position. For the flight crew's next favorite policies, Naomi has a bunch of what I think are absolutely great. One of them is legalizing marijuana and a mass pardon for low-level non-violent drug offenders. Now there's almost countless studies that show how weed has little to no real bad effects, especially when it's compared to another drug substance such as alcohol, and how the criminalization of weed has serious harmful effects to oppressed and marginalized groups such as black Americans. This has led to the way over-representation of black and Latinos in the jail population and prison population in America. And for all the criticism of Russia and North Korea as you know their corruption scandals and political evils that have been done in this country, those countries, we never talk about how America has the same amount of people in jail per capita as those countries. Especially scary it being that mostly it's America's minorities who are overrepresented in those prisons. For being the land of the free, home of the brave, that's not necessarily a good baseline for freedom. Another policy that Naomi brings up is Yang's policy to pay the college athletes. This one I think is just so funny, it's absolutely just hilarious. When it comes to college sports, you know Everybody gets paid except the athletes. The coaches make millions of dollars. The water boy gets paid. The referee gets paid. Heck, I was a referee for intramural sports in a university, and even I got paid. And what makes it so dark is that as an athlete, you are not even allowed to make money off of your own likeness. So if the local pizza shop wants to offer you 40 grand to make a big poster of you and put it on their wall, you have to turn that down. And because you're literally a student athlete, you don't have enough time to get a part-time job. You don't really have enough time to actually study for exams or midterms. So you have to take a pretty much BS course while you are a student athlete to really have that high performance level needed to dominate in the NCAA. This policy is a no-brainer. Andrew Yang, a genius for just implementing this. Naomi also says gun fitted to the owner's grip. This essentially makes it so only the person who bought the gun can actually fire the bullets, which again is a game changer of a technology. Like when we think of our cell phones, you literally need your own signature fingerprint to open the cell phone. A lot of them also now have face ID, so literally they scan your face to make sure that only you can get into your phone. And we have this crazy technology for cell phones and we've had it for like pretty much a while now. So why not bring that technology into guns? We can easily do this. So yeah, again, another great policy by Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang also wants to implement 18 year term limits for Supreme Court justices. Now, right now, the average judge stays on the Supreme Court for an average of 26 years. But really, they have the option to stay there for the whole life once they're appointed which when you think about it is absolutely crazy that this is still in effect. We in the modern era live way longer than people did back then. So it just makes sense that we update this to reflect the actual times that we live in. My next policy has to be one of my favorite by Andrew Yang, and that is 
to smash that like button, baby. Hit that subscribe, hit that notification bell. It really helps these videos grow. I'll wait while you do it. Do you do it? You got it? Okay, let's back, back into it. Serpent77 talks about rank choice voting. Now this is uh, just, I really like the policy. There's been a bit of controversy about it. Some people are for rank choice, some people are against it, but me, I, I'm pretty much just for it. Essentially the way that rank choice works is instead of just you picking one person when you're at the polling booth, you pick three. If there is a candidate that receives a lot of first place votes but is not part of the top selection of candidates, that candidate pretty much just gets eliminated and the second person on your ballot, they get your vote instead of your top place candidate. Now explaining how ranked choice voting kind of is complex, but when you just think about the actual result and what happens is that the candidate that has the most first and second place votes ends up winning while the candidates that are more polarizing, maybe only have a lot of first place, but not a lot of second place votes, they end up not necessarily winning. Now, the reason why I like this policy of ranked choice voting is because it leads to less polarizing politics. You see, when politics are either this side or this side, you end up with a very divisive country. You see, Democrats hate Republicans right now because they view a Trump supporter as a literal racist. Like that is crazy. The country is at an all time divide right now because of this. A ranked choice system wouldn't allow the top candidate that creates the most polarizing factors to really divide the voters and lead to a more extremist type of presidential candidate winning. The candidate that would end up winning is the one that appeals the most to both sides. The one that doesn't have people really hate them and really love them, the one that has the most moderate amount of love would end up winning. And what's great about this is that you would naturally be more happy with the person that ends up in office because, hey, they weren't your first choice, but they were your third, but they were your second choice. And because of that, you're like, hey, you know what? It's not the worst, it's not the end of the world. And it wouldn't lead to the amount of civil unrest that is happening within American politics right now. The other thing I really like about it is it leads to a system that lets third and fourth candidates really run until the end of elections. A candidate like Bernie Sanders had a real chance of winning last year if he was allowed to run till the very end as an independent. However, because him and Hillary shared so much similar voters, his campaign as an independent would be looked at as literally hurting Hillary and giving Donald Trump a better chance of winning. However, in a ranked choice voting system, those people who would vote for Bernie and have Hillary as a second choice, well, guess what? If Bernie is less popular than Hillary as a candidate, then all of those Bernie supporters would go to Hillary and then Hillary would again win the popular vote and be able to beat Donald Trump without being affected by a Bernie Sanders campaign. I really like this because it always leads to a more moderate candidate winning and one that's not gonna push some super extremist ideals. And one of the last ideas that I really like is by Matthew Smith from the Flight Crew, and that has to be Medicare for all. Now, one of the craziest concepts that I've ever heard of is the concept of a medical bankruptcy. Now this happens when you have a health problem, you need a surgery, and then you come out of the hospital with this huge bill that you just cannot pay basically ever. Now in one of the most developed nations, literally the leader of the free world, literally the top nation in the world, this should never happen. 
I mean, just north of American Canada, the concept of medical bankruptcy isn't even fathomable. Like people don't even understand what that really even means. So having Medicare for all or some sort of universal sort of healthcare that really makes sure that there's a little bottom, that there's at least a floor where people cannot fall through that floor and literally go into bankruptcy of them and basically their whole family. Some sort of Medicare for all system definitely will help the American people. Um, Andrew Yang has his one. And of course, that is another great reason to go for Andrew Yang. So let me know, Flight Crew, did I get your favorite Andrew Yang policy? Was there one I missed or is there a policy there that you actually don't like and you think that another politician has a better solution to an American problem? Let me know in the comments, Flight Crew. And as always, the best, most brightest investors are the uneducated ones. Why is that? That is because the uneducated investor, they never stop learning. Remember, this podcast is one that connects investing to pop culture, and we put out around two videos every week. So make sure if you want to hear about investing, economics, or the political debates like this October one, which is the fifth um, presidential debate, feel free to hit that subscribe button, leave a like, and hit that notification bell. And we, Flight Crew, have to take off. What's up, Flight Crew? This is Fly Stewie once again from Instagram and YouTube. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to give a five-star review on iTunes and Stitcher. This really helps against the algorithm. It really helps get the podcast out there. So please, I humbly ask you guys, leave a five-star review and always make sure to subscribe on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether that's Stitcher, Spotify, or iTunes. Thank you for listening, Flight Crew, and we have to take off. Yeah.